0: Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our free discovery call. If you're unsure how to start or build a consistent brand, let's talk. Just go to danielleclarkcreative.com to book your free discovery call and see how you can create a brand that helps you win more customers and reach your goals. Welcome to Build Better Brands. I'm Danielle Clark, and this show is here to provide insights, techniques, and strategies to help you establish a better brand with confidence and clarity. We're on a mission to help as many people as possible start and build stronger brands so they can create happier, healthier lives for themselves and those around them. Welcome to another episode of Build Better Brands. Today I'm joined by Mike Villa-Stewart and Mike is course director at BCU, which is where we met. And he's worked in the creative industry for quite a while now. I hope he doesn't mind me saying, but over 30 years running digital marketing um, and creative teams for global brands, including BBC and ITV here in the UK. So... It's a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to the show, Mike.
1: Thank you very much, Danielle. It's a pleasure to be with you and all your listeners.
0: Thank you. Now, this show is all about helping business owners and entrepreneurs build brands. That's why we have you on today, Mike. So thanks for joining us today. Um, Obviously, you've helped build position and grow brands for for many of us brands that many of us here in the uk will be very familiar with like itv and the bbc brands that we've had in our homes and living rooms for probably a number of years now um especially for me personally brands like bbc and, and itv they create this sense of familiar familiarity like I've been I I feel like I've grown up with them. You know, I remember sitting on the floor watching these channels and I still watch them now. Um so for me it's it's about brands being familiar. That's that's what brand kind of means to me. But if you could put it into a word, what what is brand for you?
1: I think that whole concept of familiarity that you've just spoken about is 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 really really important. Um and so I kind of agree with you that um, that's a very good word for brands. I think another, you know, if I had to use it to, to, to refine it down to one word, another word, it might be ownership. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you've only t- you said I've only got one word, so so <laughs> <laughs> so I'm stuck at ownership. But you, I think familiarity can, and well, ownership.
0: You can have another
1: one. Uh, okay. Well, I think let's, let's just combine familiarity and ownership because I think. I think those two are very powerful words, right there, and and that that kind of sums it all up, really. Um, I could I could wax lyrical at this point about those two words and why they're so important, if you like, or I could take our next question, or or what do you what do you, what would you like? How, which direction would you like me to go in?
0: Well, I think yeah, let's continue. Why you know you talk about. Than being familiar and and um let's let's hear some more dive in
1: okay so we we just literally this honest honest listeners we literally came up with this just now while while the recording was going on we didn't rehearse this at all uh, and danielle said familiarity and i said ownership and and i think those two words say everything really you need to to say about a brand because at the uh, you know, right at the bottom level of everything where it all belongs and and you just can't get any more basic a brand is about ownership it was it, it came from from literally branding cattle so that 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 cattle couldn't be stolen that cattle was was hallmarked if you like with the with the owner's mark and so that mark making that really fundamental mark making about taking ownership of something is super important take a product like levi's jeans that red tab that sits on the back of the jeans there on the 301s or whatever it is that you're wearing 501s in my case that you're wearing um that red tab is is the ownership of the brand you know i wear my i wear my 501s with pride because i love levi's as a brand anyway that's all the familiarity coming in i wear them because i think i look okay in them and and i'm happy with the red tag because that brand that mark of ownership is something that i respect and believe in and and so you can see how the two the two terms are really intertwined and the familiarity is really important because if i first stay with Levi's just for a minute or two, because I mean, I, I, my mum bought me my first pair of Levi's when I was six. Oh, wow. I know. And that was in 1967 and I've been wearing <laughs> Levi's since 1967 and I'm still wearing a pair of 501s today. In fact, if I stand up, you'll be able to see them. And... Um, so i've got that's a lot of that's a lot of memory and a lot of a lot of experience wrapped up on a, in a single wearable item right there just that's a lot of familiarity and a lot of ownership
0: yeah absolutely and it's for me as well it's that when like i often say to people okay what's your favorite brand um and I think it depends on, I answer that question depending on what I'm doing at the time. You know, if it's, say I'll have just been and played hockey, I'll have hockey in the front of my mind and and Graze might come up because in, in the hockey kind of world, Greys is a really popular brand. It's been around for a long time. It's established. It's trusted. They make really amazing sticks. They're based in the UK. Um and that's that's kind of where I'm at. But then if, you know, if I was out and about shopping, I might say, actually, well, Clark's, because I remember going into the shop as a kid in the school holidays with my mum and using this really cool machine um, to that, that they had that I had to put my feet in to measure my feet. And I, I used to get really excited yeah. <laughs> when woman came over with that machine.
1: Yes. I know what you mean, I know the one, you put your foot, the, 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 the measure comes down onto your toes. Yeah. And you can see how, how, how long your feet, and then they've got a little tape measure that goes around the top of yeah. your foot as well. And, and, oh, oh. and then they all look at you and they go, oh, yeah. you've, grown, you've grown, haven't you, <laughs> since you were last in here? <laughs>
0: And I used to love that because I used to feel so special Yes, and I used to get so excited about knowing how much bigger my feet were going to be. It wasn't an exciting experience for my mum, just stressful, I think, buying school uniform, but that's, that's where Clark's takes me back to. And I think that's what brands do. Um, it's, it's the meaning that you attach to it and it's often, often a memory is triggered. Um, we often hear people talking about brands i i do it all the time i say to people okay you've you've got to make it's all about creating meaningful brands right um you know it's about being remembered so for me i think that's a key ingredient but what's the key ingredient do you think to making sure that that you're doing it right
1: Ah, if you're doing it right, so many things wrapped up in that. Well, um, I think you know, we'll, we'll start with, with where we were, which really, which was you know about ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, when you're looking after a brand, or even when you're starting a brand from scratch, you, it's important to it's important to understand where that where it's come from. So, I'm afraid there's a bit of marketing involved in this. So. You've kind of got to know what your product is and what your product purpose is because um, you're obviously going to take something to market. So you need to understand what it is that's useful or that other people want a piece of and whether that's something that's special in the market or whether you're competing with lots of other brands. And in that case, when you start to identify those two things, uh, the, the product and the purpose, you start to be able to locate your brand in amongst other brands where people are looking, and so you've got to kind of position yourself in that in that um, competing competing market. And so, in order to position yourself, you've got to. F- find something that you can mark yourself out with it's something something that, that, that sets you apart as different you've got to kind of differentiate yourself and and that's when you need to really look at what makes you special what's the what's the secret ingredient that you've got that makes you stand out and and that secret ingredient is your is frequently called your your unique sales proposition and it's usually um it's usually something special and um ad agencies and marketing companies spend a lot of time and, and take a lot of money off you for figuring out how to how to articulate that something special. But once you've identified that something special, that's your kind of that's 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 the very core of your brand really. And um, that's kind of only half of the equation. So you figure out what the core of the brand is, what the truth is, what the kernel of your of your of of what it is that you mean and you'll just park that for a second and then we'll say okay well who's who's interested in this who who's going to buy my product who's going to invest in my brand who's going to believe me and that's when you need to be thinking about your target market and who's going to invest in that and when you've when you've identified the target market you've got a pretty clear idea of of who it is you're trying to reach and convert and so now you've got, you've got two sides of the equation. You've got a brand that you understand and you've got an audience that you understand. And so the trick now is to find the, the shared values between the two. What have I got that they want? Uh, and what do they want that I've got? And right there in the middle is the zone where you're doing it right.
0: Okay. The
1: zone yeah so so it's a sort of it's a kind of it's the place where the shared values are it's the place where 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 you believe in the brand you know you were talking about your mum taking you to clark's and mm. that's the stuff the shared experience there for you is is you know there the the crazy crazy device that goes in your foot and a nice the nice lady or gent who says oh you've grown and yeah. and and you know people invested in you you felt you felt special for that moment and mm-hmm. and that's a shared value between the brand who are making shoes for for kids and for kids who are growing and and wearing their product so that shared value that moment in the shop that you just described is a really emotional emotionally charged moment which would make a superb piece of content in a marketing campaign because it celebrates the values of the brand at the very core of the brand and it celebrates what's important to the user at the heart of their own experience. And so you've got this clunk, click in the middle where everything meets and your marketing purpose now is to say, okay, how can we how can we articulate that? How can we turn that into something that works in social how can we articulate that and make it work in outdoor how can we make it work in store how can we make it work experientially and that's suddenly the the whole kind of kind of machinery of yeah. of branding kicks in and and that's fine all of that works and it's brilliant if it works like that because it's all reflecting the core of, of what matters to people and that's how you get it right you know you, that was your question how do you get it right and yeah and, and that's how you get it right by being true to your values true to your product true to your audience and not vacillating you know not not never ever deviating from that and being actually quite you know feisty and sticking up for those values mm,
0: yeah absolutely and I think it's something I talk about a lot getting to it's called different things i think i've i've talked about finding your why finding your brand dna your usp the center you know the what's the the hero what's the what's the most important bit um and you know as as we we mentioned at the start you've worked with clients like bbc and itv how do you, having worked with clients like that, how did you make sure, you know, it's such a big established organization when you're trying to be creative around this this thing that's got really a real you know, it's kind of set in people's minds. How do you then come up with with new ideas that, that don't compromise the heart and the centre and it being the hero?
1: That's such a that's such a good question. And um it's, it's, actually, it's actually the question that gives people who are working in, in, in brand management and, and brand guardianship and who are, who are working in agencies and things, looking after people's brands, it's that question that gives them employment. Um, we, we, we wouldn't get any work if, if, <laughs> if that question, <laughs> we really wouldn't, because it's the thing that always gets muddled it's always gets muddled you know you it, people when when you've got something like let's say uh, take BBC 2 for example because I spent a lot of time working on BBC 2 when you've got something like BBC 2 the iconic shape of that two, and if, if that's if you're owning that because you're brand guardian on that particular brand when you're owning a brand like BBC 2 and you're working with it um, it's a beautiful thing to work with it's a, you know when I was working with it back in the 90s, it was a very definitive shape. It had this it had this really kind of sharp hooky hooky top that went went over over the top and and that came down into a steep angle, which gave it this really solid back end. And then the front end of it was a, like a really sharp blade. And if you put two of them together, it made a perfect love heart. Um, and it had all these other all these other qualities. You know, the hooky top was really so. Suddenly I'm getting really excited about a shape and I'm getting excited about the shape because I'm going to work with, 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 with that shape to protect the integrity of that shape. I remember once talking to my, my mentor who's sadly died now. He was a very, very, very brilliant man. Probably one of the most brilliant television branding experts in the world ever. A guy called Martin Lambie-Nan who had his own company called Lambie-Nan and Co i remember martin saying to me you know you, you don't need to put badges on it you don't need to put wheels on it you don't need to turn it in, in, into anything that it isn't just go with the integrity of the shape and he was absolutely right so you know that 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 too the shape that that's that's the brand mark and you really don't want to interfere with that at all ever because mm-hmm. that's that's what people recognize and buy into that's the shorthand that everybody just recognizes without even having to read it they see it and they know what it means so you have to protect the integrity of that mark and any other mark that's related to it as within the brand ownership so in this particular case BBC and two those those two things you just don't interfere with that logotype and that and then the for the BBC that lozenge as it was called and then the two for the two identity those things are sacrosanct they're mandatory you don't mess with them so how do you make it new? And this is this is the, this is the problem. Is when you say I want to I want to protect the integrity of the, of that shape, designers all go no no you're taking away the creativity, yeah. and the, the answer is no 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 we're not taking away the creativity. Your job is to is to is, is to find ways to creatively articulate that message. Yeah. So you know so it's about preserving the integrity of the shape, and yet being creative around it so you need to understand again the product you need to understand the market you need to understand how the product differentiates itself from other products in the market and that's where you find the creativity that's where you that's where you make the difference so in terms of bbc2 for example what was the product it's a television channel what's what what is it that makes that television channel special the schedule what makes the schedule special the programs what makes the program special the personalities the content the ideas and so suddenly all of that begins to affect the environments that we put that two into and so the two is sacrosanct but the environment's determined by the product and that's what makes the creativity work
0: yeah absolutely and i can remember i mean we we touched on this when when we we first spoke but i can remember those idents that 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 used to appear... Because that's the thing with the BBC. There's no... There's no adverts. There's no proper adverts that are on the BBC. that they, they used to have these little clips in between, which I still do now. Yeah. And I can remember the two. I remember one in particular where it was, like... It was magnetic, and I think it was sat on a wooden... Sat on a wooden floor, floor and it attracted all nails. Nails. I'd, like... Yeah. I can remember that yeah. now.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah. it just... It sticks in my head. I think there was a Christmas pudding one.
1: There was that I was an idea, that, was a, that was a Christmas item. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those were mine. <laughs> they were fun to make, but I mean, I mean, I have to. I kind of said that rather, rather too quickly because, because you, you, don't, you never make these things alone. You know. Yeah. Um, I just, just should say, just from the point stand, the point of view of being in a privileged position of being able to make those kind of things, it wasn't me. You know, it was, it was. 60 70 years of television history before me with you know ma- amazing animators who had who had come before me in all kinds of different shapes and sizes and then and then working with the creative team like bbc creative and you know i was just one base i was just a producer in in that whole kind of massive engine of creative of creative talent and creative effort so you know those were those were tremendous fun to make but they were only fun to make because I, I was surrounded by all the all this expertise all this trim, all this talent you know these great designers great animators great camera operators great great lighting technicians great you know it just went on and on and on so so it was you know i think that was and, and we were on a roll too that was the other thing we were not only were we standing on the shoulders of giants who had got us to that spec that that stage um but you know we the team that was working on it was just firing on all cylinders and and it was it was it was great it was it was fantastic
0: it sounds like it it really does um and yeah it's i mean it's never it's never just you is it there's always no, exactly a few people involved
1: yeah i mean the animators um, the uh, the designers the living mean, for me i mean if i if i was going to locate it you know if you Back in terms of um, of the of the kind of the true the true yeah. inspiration for me was really as, as I've said Martin lambie you know he was probably the biggest influence on my on my my career um, and he was the kind of he was in overall charge of that whole BBC rebrand and um, it was his leadership really that we were following and uh, he, he he was inspirational and I think you know, to take that to the next, next level. I think it is important to have mentors. It is important to have work that you admire and, and that you look, look at and, and follow. You know, you were saying that this, this podcast is for people who have, you know, got their own brands and who are launching brands and starting out in that, in, in that field. And I would say, you know, look at D&AD, you know, go to the D&AD website and just, just explore it. And, um, and look at the work that's there and and the wonderful thing about the dnad is not only does it show you the work that's 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 won awards and been outstanding and made a difference and cut through but it it it, it lists all the people involved every single one of them so you get this great sort of crew list of all the all the names who contributed in their own way you know lighting technicians and cameras and uh uh animators and um wranglers and facilities houses and the whole the whole list is in there and that's super useful because if there's a particular aspect of this part of branding that you're interested in in pursuing or following you can see right there who the creative director was and who the who the designer was and and you can reach out to them and talk to them at their agencies where they are now
0: Mm, that's a really good idea mental note made okay (laughs) okay no it is i'd never even thought of doing that myself but yeah you make a good point so thanks for that mike um so say you're in charge of a say you're in charge of a brand you could be you might be a business owner you might be a creative you might be a brand strategist all of these people ultimately want the same they want to create something that they can be proud of. They want good results and hopefully, you know, a profitable result at the end of whatever it is that they've done. They want to see a a positive impact. What's your go-to advice for someone that's trying to achieve this?
1: I think my my go-to advice would be never assume anything um, and always check everything. Um, Sometimes, what what a client wants is not necessarily the best idea and the only the only way you can challenge a client on that is by knowing the brand and the product and the audience either better or through more insight more research. so if a, if a client wants something it's it's not in their interest to just give it to them it's always it's always you know check it challenge it do some user testing go out into the market find out what people really think because it's very often not what the client thinks and um and then bring that evidence back to the client and say well you thought they were they were 100% for you but actually it turns out only 10% were for you so i think we've got 90% of turnaround to do here and clients will listen to that they will listen to that so very important not to kind of charge in and do exactly what the client wants Um, uh, and that you don't have to be you know bullish and difficult about it it's just you know it's just good practice to to do it that way so there's that kind of checking that has to be done another sort of checking that has to be done is am i allowed to do this can i get away with this um we have you know we have pretty strict regulations um, and guidelines in this country the asa for one of them clearcast is another one um, that if you're making stuff that's going to go out there and be in front of the public, you, you do have to c- comply with the, the regulatory guidelines. And as soon as you get given a creative job or by a, by a client, as soon as someone engages you to do work, your first port of call really has got to be: uh, who do I who do I need to get this checked by? I mean, please just just do that because it's. An hour of kind of boring sorting out odds and ends is just a million times better than having to reshoot and pay for it yourself because you didn't anticipate the disaster that ensued. Are you
0: talking from experience here, Mike?
1: <sighs> sort of. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> sort of, or nearly, you know.
0: They, yeah, I sensed you kind of going back in time. and
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is that, in you know, in this day and age, everyone's publishing everyone everything the whole time without without two seconds thought, and that's the problem. Is that you're publishing as soon as you press send or share or like or retweet or whatever it is, you have just published, and that's the definition of that. Could be defamation, it could be libelous, it could be slanderous, it could be just inaccurate, it could be fake, it could be false, it could be subject to all kinds of confusion that you really don't need in a marketing message mm. you you know you want people to believe you for the integrity and authenticity that you come from which takes us right back to the be- beginning of our conversation um so check everything and and uh, and particularly check the regulatory guidelines and the regulatory people if you get in touch with them are really nice you know you kind of say oh i've got a client who's asked me to do this mm-hmm. And they'll probably say, send us a script and we'll take a look at it and get back to you. And it's, there's nothing nothing nicer than knowing that you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrifying being on, on set with cameras rolling and clients saying, I want this here and I want that and there and nothing being checked, you know, because you just yeah. know the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to be sitting in post trying to deliver this thing for a deadline and it's chalked up to go across multiple channels at multiple times of day, in multiple formats and all the spend has been agreed. And as soon as you miss that first deadline, you're liable for the cost of all the spend that you're not actually delivering to. No, um, thanks.
0: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Lesson learned. Wise, is advice. <laughs> I think you touched on something there that I think is really interesting. This idea of you talked about publishing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah.
0: everything I hadn't really thought of it like that, but you make a really good point. When you like something, tweet something, share something, post something, comment. It's we are publishing constantly now without without a second thought
1: without a second thought it's you are publishing and it goes into the domain there and it's irretrievable you don't own the the you don't own the channel the platform that it's gone to, so you've got no redress, you can't delete it, take it down, you've got no way of retrieving it it's sent it's gone it's out there forever and um yeah, it's a scary, scary world, you know it's. It is for people whose job it is to make communications, it's it's never been more challenging. You know, you've never, yeah. we've never had so many opportunities, if you like, but we have never had it so challenging. We, the, 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 the balances and checks that used to happen, you know, in terms of editorial policy and in terms of accuracy and taste and decency, those things um, just, you know, if you're working on your own, you haven't got that kind of backup so so checking is really important checking with your family checking with the regulatory authorities checking with your friends checking with your customers doesn't take much but it's yeah it's 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 uh, it can save your life yeah
0: mm, yeah I um I want to go back to something you said at the start of that when you were talking about the client And not necessarily always, excuse me, always doing what the client asks. And that Mm. if you know their brand well enough, if you've embraced it and you understand it, you can challenge them. And that for me is significant because as a designer, I used to find it really hard to justify when I challenged a client on what they wanted to do. But now as a, Someone called me a, a brand strategist the other day and I was like, okay, actually, you're not far off because I do pay attention to that now. Now I understand what it, why it's so important because the more you understand the brand, the more you understand the target audience, the the way the brand is positioned, what it's actually there to do, why, it, why it's there, why it exists. That's the important stuff. Not necessarily what the client wants or what they think they want. It's not for them. It's for the audience. It's for the people.
1: Exactly. You know. I mean, there's a, 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 you know, there was. I think in the list of questions that we discussed, I think the next thing you're going to ask me is about values and what matters most. And Mm. and you've kind of reached that. You've reached that position um, just through what you're you're saying, really and again i i'm at the very beginning of this conversation i was talking about the shared values between the brand and the customer and i think those those values are are what enshrines your brand but they it's also what what secures your brand loyalty and um anything that anything that that kind of uh com- compromises that is is going to it's going to affect your bottom line you know it's going to affect the bottom line of your business yeah because if as soon as people start to question the integrity of your brand or let's say it, it falls off trend because you're pursuing some kind of marketing philosophy or production product philosophy which is is becoming unacceptable um then you're going to you're going to you're going to devalue your brand and, and immediately devalue your product and, and immediately affect your bottom line. Um, but to go back to what you were saying also about, about challenging, it, it, it is important to, to challenge um, and it's important for brands to challenge the markets that they're in as well. You know, I'll give you a very good example of that, how it can make a huge difference. Um, you know, Virgin Atlantic... Richard Branson's airline brand is a challenger brand. It, it, it Competitively, it was up against British Airways. And British Airways pretty much monopolised the transatlantic routes at the time when Virgin Atlantic first started to market itself. And it challenged British Airways. And it came from pretty much nowhere, in a sense, mm. to say, you know, OK, we, we're going to fly the Atlantic. And, <laughs> and, you know, there's a huge amount of trust i mean epic trust in british airways because it was branding itself on on safety mm. and also on on its history and yet virgin challenged that with 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 virginness you know it came on with these kind of really Sassy ads that were just you know just suddenly all the glamour was back into flying, and it was the whole thing was just rock and roll and gorgeousness, and it kind of blew all that dry safety stuff out of the water and, and had great results, you know they, 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 they claimed their market share through that challenge. So it's not right. just about challenging what the client thinks. It's also about challenging the marketplace and seeing where there are, uh, there are ways you could do it better, you know? Um, so that yeah. whole notion of challenge is, is important.
0: Absolutely. I think it can be scary sometimes. I think you've got to be a little bit brave.
1: You, you have got to be brave. I mean, <clears throat> the trick is, there, I mean, there are people like Mark Zuckerberg saying things like move fast and break things. Yeah. And, I'm not sure that that's wise advice, really, on any level. Um, I know kind of where he's coming from on that, but that's coming from the kind of Silicon Valley endless iterations type mm. type sort of existence. Yeah. But clients haven't got the money for endless iterations, um, <clears throat> and actually, frankly, brands haven't got the the, uh, the luxury of endless iterations. We have to get it right first time. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you if you were to go out to a uh, a kind of corner store and buy a can of coke consume it and then half an hour later go out and buy another can of coke from the same store or another store open it up and it tasted different you'd never buy coke again because this you know part of the secret ingredients of a, of a good brand is consistency and if unless your brand is consistent you fail so you can't afford to have failing iterations at trying to get it right. You have to get it right first time and you have to be right thereafter forever until there's a massive tectonic reshift.
0: Yeah. You touched on secrets there. Um, Is that, you, you talked about consistency. You know, you've worked with so many successful brands over the years. Is that the secret to their success?
1: Consistency, consistency. Consistency. Yeah, I think without consistency, there is no. You don't. You don't have a have a brand really. You you have something that's changing its shape the whole time. By definition, it's inconsistent. Um, I'm just trying to think of an example where that works. Google. So when you look at when you look at the front page of Google, it changes its it changes its brand mark every day. You know. Yeah,
0: you get a new Google doodle, don't you? you? get a
1: new um, a new yeah a new Google doodle every day, and mm. and so they're changing the they're changing the the kind of the front end of it, if you like, the very first U UX of the of the brand is is changing. But but the thing about Google is that it's such a monopoly, and I mean, I'm, I, I, don't, I, I can't really think of anybody. Actually, I don't think I know anybody who uses another search engine. Um, there are various. I'm,
0: I know some people that use PCs. No offense to PC users. I use PCs occasionally, but they sometimes use Bing.
1: Really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, really. I know. <laughs> I don't use Bing, I use Google, I mean, Google is my, when I open, gosh, I use Google for everything, Google is my, you know, I log in to Chrome, and it's got everything, it's got my Google Docs, I use Google Drive, like, Google is my life.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. So Google, you know, it's a search engine, and it's it's a very reliable one, and um, and it can afford to change the way it looks, because... It is what it is, um, and that's the, that's the kind of exception I think to the rule. Um, yeah. other, you know, Cadbury's doesn't go messing around with that wonderful script that just yeah. just speaks chocolate. You know, you see that writing, you just you just think. Mm, I
0: love Cadbury's.
1: So do I. Yeah. I talk about
0: Cadbury's a lot.
1: Consistently chocolatey. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's delicious. You know, and yeah. you know that's that's a that's the brand mark that you know, you, you wouldn't mess with that, would you?
0: No, and they haven't done, and this is the thing the brands that don't mess with it they're the they're the successful ones
1: yeah I mean look at look at golden syrup, you know that those those tubs of golden syrup with that lion you know out of yeah. the strength comes forth the sweet, and there's this kind of honeybees coming out of a lion i mean that's that I remember that from the nineteen sixties when I was growing up it hasn't changed a chawl at all, you know you look at um what's those, uh, those wonderful wonderful uh, tannics yeah tannics tea cakes
0: over tea cakes in the red is it re- reddy orangey packaging and then the silver foil silver
1: foil and red packaging yeah Um yeah. absolutely yeah. exquisite branding never changed mm. there's, there's just never but you know, why would you interfere with that because it's classic you know it's it's really so that's that's you know that's true consistency um yeah and that's yeah. a job you know that's a job in its own right to maintain that kind of consistency and that kind of quality across everything you know it must be challenging if you're making a product like like that where the cost of sugar for example is going through the roof and you know people and people on the board are saying we need to cut this with something else to make it more affordable for us to produce and you're defending the brand and saying, no no, you know this is this is the way we've made this you know yeah. so you know it, branding extends, you know, right to the core of the of the product. It, you know, it's it's rooted in in the raw materials as much as it's rooted in the in the fantastic kind of consciousness of all the associated values that come with it over those eons. It's re, it's a really it's a really important part of the whole equation. You know, a brand is worth an enormous amount of money it's i mean, there's a there's a i've got a book here There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy here it's, this is by a guy called leslie de chatanay and it's called creating powerful brands okay. and i have actually read it all um wow oh, i know and um
0: <laughs> it's a big book
1: <laughs> i know really it's um i had to because i was i was using it to teach from and um uh and he makes the point that he says you know he justifies it all in his book. I'm not going to try and go through that all now. But the point he makes is that the 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 uh the the untangible value of a brand. Sorry, the untangible value of a of of uh of a company is the intangible assets, if you like, are worth far more than the tangible assets. So Coca-Cola, for example, I mean I'm I'm talking generally here, so you know, mm-hmm. please don't um please don't quote me or cite me or anything like that, but Coca Cola, for example, is essentially it's an it's a secret recipe on a piece of paper, if you like. It's a, it's a secret recipe for a fizzy fizzy sugared drink. It doesn't actually own kind of the the, the plants or the bottles or the bottling or the it, it, you know its tangible assets are, are very small. It's it's probably got some manufacturing resource that it that it owns, um, but in terms of its perception, its global perception, and the way Coca Cola is is seen and believed in and, and everything that it represents from the kind of American dream right through to the kind of the, its own expression of freedom and opening happiness and all those kind of things, that's worth about 75% to 80% of the, of the actual worth of the company. That, that perception, that brand perception is worth you know a, a, a serious wedge of the bottom line of the actual company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and they talk about they talk, you know in the in these books they talk about it being worth you know somewhere between fifty to seventy percent of the company's the company's value is lo- lo- locked up in the brand
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's huge it is huge. huge, so i mean obviously it's different from different brands and one thing or another, but you know that's you know, you're saying about challenging things with clients and and having the having the wherewithal to do that, and knowing that too is important um because people people don't seem to grasp that the, the brand itself is is worth so much
0: no they don't and that's that's what this podcast is about that's what I'm in a mission to do because I think a lot of small businesses especially you know small businesses make up a large percentage of of our economy and they they have a, a you know a huge impact on not only their own families but you know the families of others and people that they employ um and i want to help more people in that position see the power in brand and and realize that if i start to pay attention to it and not wait until they're a massive business you know there's nothing wrong with being small and in being small if anything you're you're able to to pivot you you're in a position to to alter and 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 do things you're agile you're small enough to be agile and do things quickly so that's what this is about and I think you make a really good point um so Mike if you I don't know what you're up to at the moment apart from your lecturing but if you could start a new business tomorrow what do you think it would be
1: um, such a, another really interesting question I'm kind of at the moment I'm being really inspired by somebody who's doing some amazing work and I, I kind of I really would like to help out with that or do more if I possibly could um, so another book So this is, this is a book called Outsiders, The Outdoors is Yours and it's um, it's by Oli Olani, Olani-Pekin and Nadim Pereira and um this is just a very small part of what they're doing, and uh, but it's a very important part of what they're doing. And what they're doing is challenging the way we are, really, yeah. um, on so many levels. But I think you know, from a from a from a branding point of view, um, what they're doing is really interesting. They have a they have an advertising agency in, or, or sorry, Ollie Lenny Peckin has an advertising agency in in London called Future Impose, and um, he's a Coventry lad, he comes from Coventry, and he had, um, he worked, had his own company, successful advertising agency there, and started to work in London, and soon discovered that, you know, he was being told by kind of middle-aged or middle-aged white blokes you know how to talk to his own age group and his own people and he was thinking well hang on i can t- hang on know, hang on i know what i'm talking about i don't need to be told just to, what to say by people like you i know what i'm i know what i'm trying to do here yeah. so he went back to his own agency and he's got this very successful agency with great clients like levi's and and um, adidas and and what he's doing is he's he's saying that that traditional top-down way of telling people, you know, what's what, what matters and how things should be done, and and the way that brands have have always operated, and the way that advertising agencies particularly have always operated, which is, you know, this is what we should be thinking, this is what we should be buying into, this is what we should be doing, that kind of top-down dissemination of information, um, that doesn't work anymore. That's not mm. right. That's actually that's. It's really not right at all. It shouldn't have been right, really, in the first place. Actually, you know, it shouldn't really, really have had all that communication power condensed into the hands of a of of such a minority, such a privileged minority, really. Mm-hmm. And what Oli what Oliana Peckin is doing is he's saying let's take that top down model and let's just switch it so that the collective makes the decisions. So, that the, so if you understand the collective point of view and what matters to the collective, that's going to influence your decision making, that's going to influence uh, what you need to be doing, that's going to influence your branding and your marketing communications. So just to give you a very good example of that, if you, if you own an apparel company, let's say you're making clothes or actually quite a lot of my students have got branded clothes, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. clothes, clothes been, small, stuff, yeah, yeah. small businesses, very small businesses doing branded apparel, you know, um, if you've got a little business doing that and you've got a little brand going on in that score, uh, look, look, don't just, don't, don't just think about the traditional forms of, of branding and reaching out to people and you know thinking about social media channels and using influencers and, Going off down that lane necessarily, think about the bigger picture. Think about the stuff that matters to the collective. Like, okay, so we'll start with textiles and then we'll go on to use of water consumption. And then we'll get, no, we start becoming involved in environmental issues very rapidly around sustainability. And then we start thinking about sweatshops and then we start thinking about modern slavery and then we start thinking about the ethics of it all. Suddenly, that kind of cheap apparel, that disposable cheap apparel, becomes less and less and less attractive and your brand becomes more and more and more associated with those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So you need to be thinking along much more sustainable issues, along much more collective issues, along much more ethical issues. And that, that, will, that will have huge effects on your brand. So, for example, if you're a, if you're a major apparel brand gonna you're gonna to want to think well do I really want to be selling selling something on the basis that it's trendy and worn by worn by supermodels or should I be thinking about about how to reposition my own product and and the way that product's manufactured? And if you're a small brand like a, like a student for example just setting out into this this land of of selling apparel if you're starting to think about in those terms, which is not the obvious direction to go in I have to say, but but it will become the obvious direction to go in, then you're going to be setting out on a much, a much more sustainable journey, not just in terms of your messaging, but in terms of your the survival of your product and the survival of your of your brand. I think that's a really long-winded answer. <laughs> well, I think what I was trying to say is the world is changing around us in you know, incredibly fast from a tech point of view. And we have to, you know, we as people have to put the brakes on this and we have to say enough is enough, actually. You know, there's mental health issues left, right and centre. There's addiction to smartphones everywhere. People aren't, people aren't um, actually engaging with themselves and their families and their friends and their environments. Uh, anything like as much as they could be yeah. and you know that's having all sorts of all sorts of negative effects and in a sense we kind of we need to reclaim our humanity and, um, and get a little bit of get a bit, get a little bit of action back you <laughs> know get a real world action back and I think that's what I want to do is I want to um, I want to involve myself more in trying to figure out a way to get that to happen
0: Figure out a way to for us to be more engaged, for us to connect with each other and remember that we are humans again.
1: Yeah, it sounds it's uh, I know it sounds a bit odd, but but actually I think it's something we've got to, we've really got to we've really got to take the time to to just do that, yeah. Just yeah. just just take the, that's it, take the time. And, you know, I was talking about and Lander-Peckin earlier on and his company, Future impose and he actually has a whole a whole thing for this, and it's called Time Being Limited. And he has a, a way of kind of, if you like, a model for beginning to address this problem, uh, and it's called Attention Limited. And it's literally, it's about this limited, limited, we we've all got limited attention we live in a in an era where uh, attention is the economy where everyone's trying to buy a a, a a moment of your attention
0: very true very true let's um let's see what happens right
1: yeah <laughs> let's see what happens for sure anyway i'm <laughs> i'm i'm busy trying to um trying to share this with as many people as possible because yeah. i think
0: you mentioned it to me and it's it's on it's on my list um so thank you for sharing that again um so okay so mike you've worked with lots of brands over the years lots of successful brands and i'm hoping you will share the secret to their success will you
1: um yeah i think the question you're you're asking is is uh how is it that we can guarantee getting it right how can we how can we ensure that we're coming up with successful solutions in all of our branded communications I think that's really the question here and um, there's there's a very simple answer and the answer goes like this you must have a method and Uh, Of course, people will say, what? What do you mean we've got to to have a method? And a method is basically really, really, really important, but really, really simple thing. It's a kind of flow chart or a sequence or a linear progression or a workflow. It's basically a checklist. It's a checklist of stuff that you have to do that is going to guarantee that you get the best possible outcome. And uh, just to prove that, um, there are a lot of big, 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 big advertising agencies and marketing consultancies and bureaus out there with their methodologies, and they trade on those methodologies. It's not like they've got a bunch of creative people who are brilliant sitting up in a room coming up with amazing ideas. Nope. The way it works is they have these methodologies, and these methodologies include the creatives but if it wasn't for the process the the creatives would just be drifting around somewhere in the ether the creatives have to be plugged into a method and the method starts with research and discovery what what can we find out what do we need to know about the brand what do we need to know about the product what do we need to know about the target audience what do they like what don't they like what media channels are are they on what language are they talking what do they believe in all those kind of questions, that's research and insight. And it's with that kind of research and insight that you can then make informed creative decisions. And that's where the creators become super creative because they've got information to work with and suddenly that creativity is just like, whoosh, it's on supercharged by really valuable information. I'll give you a, for instance, so when Telefonica was launching its new super-duper super-duper phone network. Way, this is going to be amazing. Did a lot of research, asking loads of people, what's your mobile phone mean to you? One of the respondents in, I don't know, lots, one of the respondents said, oh, my my phone, it's like, I couldn't live without it, it's like oxygen to me. And that was the birth of O2. So O2, the brand came from that audience research and it was just Ah. one audience member saying oh it's like oxygen to me so suddenly the creators are something to work with and then so you've got research insight then you can be creative and do your ideation then you've got to use the same research again to figure out where that audience is are they in social are they outdoor are they in cinema are they experiential Where are you going to reach them? Because you have to reach them at the right time of day, on the right device, in the right mood, with the right kind of communication. And all of that is methodology. And so when you're working on a brand, even as a student working on, say, a little apparel brand where you're selling clothing on with your own mark on it, or whether whether you're a big, giant brand or or an agency making brand decisions, you've got to follow that methodology because it's only through that process that you come up with the right kind of ideas to reach the people you want to reach with the messages that they're interested in on the platforms that they're using at the time of day that they're there. And that's how you get it right. If you don't use that method, you're pretty much making it up as you go along and good luck with that.
0: <laughs> so in a nutshell, you've got to have a method to create the madness.
1: You have a, you've got, nah, that's nice. That I'm, I'm going to write that down. That's nice. You've got to have a method to create the madness. And these companies make fortunes out of their methodologies. You know, I've got another book here by Sapient Nitro. And, you know, they've, they've published this book Globally, it's huge. It's it's massive. It's worth a fortune, and that's their methodology. And uh,
0: what's that, that book they... called, Mike? Sorry. What's that book called?
1: It's called Storyscaping.
0: Okay.
1: And it's uh, for anybody who's taking notes. It's called Storyscaping. It's by Gaston Legorberu and Darren McCall, and it comes from an advertising agency called Sapient Nitro. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. It's all right. It's, I mean, it's a staple of staple diet of, of what I teach.
0: Amazing, thank you. My pleasure. Today, I, I mean, I've learned a lot. I'm sure those listening have too. If people listening are interested in in what you're you're doing and what you have to say and want to connect with you, where can they do that, Mike?
1: Um, they can get a hold of me. Um, either via yourself or they can um drop me a drop me an email at mike v at virginmedia.com
0: okay i'll be adding that to the show notes thank you so much for your time today it's been awesome <laughs>
1: Thanks for joining us it's been fun
0: Thank you for listening to Build Better Brands. I am so grateful to have you tune in into the show and I'd love to thank you personally. So wherever you are in the world, remember to tag at Danielle Clark Creative in your social media posts and stories. Let us know when you're listening. You want to know what you've enjoyed about the show and give you a tone. And if you would like to help more people like you discover the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us rank higher and reach more listeners. It's also a great way for us to help you with the problems your brand might be facing. Suggest a topic in your review and we might feature it and you in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.